words, you crucified, crucified, and laid behind the stone, you live to die, you live to die, rejected and alone, unlike a wolf, trampled on the ground, you took the fall, and thought of me, above Glory to Jesus. Can we about it? Can we about it? Uh, let's be fast. Let's get ready in time. Unlike a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me. Hallelujah. The eternal salvation lawsuits, and this is the, the night I'm hearing. Um, all right, we've done a couple of things. We've gone a long way, in, even in, um, come a long way in um, defending the um, doctrine of eternal salvation. Okay? Um, we've seen um, the um, defendant's response to every single uh, exhibit the plaintiff has, uh, has um, brought um, forward and we of course are still given the benefit of the doubt by by paying attention to the as many more as he can give us okay now one very important thing that we saw last week was that Paul okay was that Paul did not define if you pay attention very well Paul did not define idolatry basically at least in the context of what was going on in Corinth and in the context of his writing. Paul didn't define idolatry as eating food offered to idols. You remember how that every food, every food offered there, I mean every food given there, whether even sold in the market, was most likely previously offered to an idol. Right or right? Okay? So, and Paul, you remember Paul saying how that was, if you know it, then are you better? And if you eat, and are you worse? Okay? I said the earth is the Lord, and it's going there. Okay, quoting Psalm 24, verse 1. Okay? So if Paul did not so Paul says, Well, you can eat it. But remember one thing he, he, he majorly emphasized was that, I mean that he emphasized basically was that what you should eat without offense. Right or right. So that means what you should not eat when it will affect the conscience of others. Are you following me? You remember that, right? Okay, so we see that what, what he basically defined as idolatry was eating in an idol's temple. Right or right? Okay, in that context. Okay, now, and um, uh, so we see how that what um, Paul emphasizes, um, emphasizes love, how that what you should be, in, you should care about the um, conscience of others as well. Okay, do not allow your liberty to become a stumbling block for others. Do not allow that to, to ruin or to, um, to wound the conscience of your neighbor. 
Now he says something um, very similar to that in Romans. And let's see that very briefly before we continue. Romans 14. I'm pretty very fast with our Bibles. We have a long way to go, as I always say. And I really mean it. Okay? Judging from what I have here, we have a long way to go. Romans 14. Are we there? Verse 1. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Ta, 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 ta. Are we there? Verse 1 says, receive one who is weak in the faith. You remember last week we talked about um, weak in the faith. Do you remember when we talked about that? Huh? Okay. Now it says what? But not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes that he made all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise him. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not he who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Do you see that? Huh? Move to verse 13. Are we there? 13 says what? Therefore, are we in verse 13 to the end? Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of himself. Can you see that? But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother has grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in what? In what? In charity, that's in love. Okay? Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he who served God or Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which make for edifying, or which may edify one another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother stumble or offended or is made weak. Can you see that? Now it says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Can you see that? You see that the two last two verses, especially the last one, eating when you doubt, is talking about well, what could happen to your weak brother. When he says that you are eating it, you may want to want to I mean you may want to eat as well. Okay, but his conscience will be will be wounded. Okay, that's what it defines as what you are making your brother to perish. Talking about what? The wounding of his conscience. Hallelujah. Okay, so we talked about this one thing that's very emphasized, uh, well emphasized, though we know that what um, an idol is nothing in this world, as we saw in 1 Corinthians uh, 8, but what um, do not eat with offense. Okay, we should uh, walk in love. Hallelujah. Okay, now, so what you, one thing we were able to see as well as we rounded up with 1 Corinthians 15. You know, answering the question of what if someone claims not to believe anymore. You know, we're able to see how that what it's, it is not, um, it is not a corruption of salvation, but a corruption of conduct, right? When you explain how that what evil communication corrupts good conduct or good manners. And we see that that was exactly what was happening to the church in the first Corinthians 15. How that some people did not, I mean, were, were claiming that there's nothing like resurrection. Okay? So, of course, and that's an attack to the message. So if we say that many people were already um, falling um, victims of that, did not um, believe the message anymore. So Paul had to give a defense of the gospel that what this thing, this, there are evidences. Number one, that we prophesied beforehand in scripture. Number two, they were eyewitnesses. I myself as well am a witness. Okay? Now, so, um, um, so you know, you know, um, those things, you know, you know, 
those things of that I don't believe anymore and everything. We have seen that but it's, it's, it does not corrupt your salvation, but it affects you in the long run. Okay? Because, of course, such a person will not be able to live for God. That's a fact. You'll not be able to live for God. And, of course, there's no reward for such. Okay? If you don't spend your lifetime living for God, there's no reward. And beyond that as well, you are exposing yourself to, to attacks or basically to the whims and ploys of the devil. Okay? Because you are not walking in the light of who you are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay? But one thing we have seen is that well, we are in an irreversible relationship with God. You know, the way we... It's, 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 it's just funny how we, we, we so much um, emphasize earthly things and water down spiritual things. You know, I was talking about blood covenant then last week. That blood covenant like, is why you say, ah, you make a blood covenant with a, a guy and a girl, you make blood covenant like this. Ah, it's irreversible. You are, you are irreversible joined together. Ah, it's... Ah, no. It is, it is that. And you preach on that on our explaining the mystery of blood coming and everything. And you now begin to water down the uh, efficacy of the blood of Jesus. Ah, that the blood of Jesus can have no, you are not, it does not mean you are together forever. Ah, that one, you can, you can be caught, you can receive word. You know, just like that. It's, it's funny how we do that. Okay? But one thing we know is that what, um, once you are saved, okay, you have the Holy Spirit in you forever. Okay? You would never know what it means to do life without God anymore. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Alright, so we'll move forward. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Yay, thank you, Lord. So I'll be dealing with two things at, as, at once, Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, because I want to go through the, the, the text holistically. So I would want to deal with them, as, them together. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, see verse 30 says what? Um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Or gravely, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Right or right? Huh? It says, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Um, chapter 5, verse 5. Are we there? So we see that the first one about grieving the Holy Spirit is one, um, is one, um, uh, 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 what should I use? Um, maybe a point that could be brought forward that was you can give the Holy Spirit, you know, and you know, that's the end. You know? And chapter five verse five says what? For you know for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous who is an adorator has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Okay? So in that sense you could bring out that what if a Christian is doing this thing, he is going to hell or something like that. Alright. No, we saw we, we are, um, so those are the two things we are dealing with now. Now, Ephesians 4.30 says what? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. You brought your Bible again today. <laughs> Alright. Alright, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? So, it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Huh? Huh? Isn't it? <laughs> you know the answer, but I think it's, it's straightforward. Now, isn't it plain? It says, "Do not give the Holy Spirit." For me to give an instruction, I do not do this. That means it's possible for you to do this. That means you have, you can do it. That's why I'm telling you not to do it. Huh? Okay. So, um, for example, if I tell Bolu now, maybe we have a deal. I say, Bolu, don't boot me. <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> okay. You know that means I mean that he can do it. <laughs> Alright, let us go. Well, the word um, grief there is from the Greek word lupeo, and I think today we'll do a lot of grief though. 
okay to an extent but it's the meaning that you should hold on not the not the words don't give yourself a headache okay lupeo l-u-p-e-o the o has an accent on it that's i mean a dash on top of it that was means by an accent because when it's, when you measure an accent it has a an extra stress so otherwise lupeo okay lupeo okay in the greek and it means to be in distress that's what it means so to be uh, no good there is spirit to give them to be in distress that's in soul in sadness okay so when we talk about grief which is the noun you know so, uh, okay or to make someone to be so is a verb you know? okay so um grief not the spirit so the question now is how can that be um how how can you grieve the Holy spirit okay well the answer is very simple pay attention to the text which we will do in a moment uh, is by walking in the flesh, okay? By walking in the flesh is referring to misconduct by Christians, which he pointed out in the passage, okay? Basically, from verse 17 downwards, you see, you see verse 17 where it says that what um, do not walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. That's verse 17. You see, the, um, let me see verse 19 where it says. Um, they have given themselves out to lewdness and to work all on cleanness and um, greediness. Um, verse verse um, 25 that says that what um, let everyone speak the truth to his neighbor and put away lying. Verse 26 says that what do, um, do not let the throne go down with your rod. Um, verse 28 says that what let him that stole steal no more. Um, 29 let no corrupt communication come out of your mind. Mouth. Verse 31 says let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and everything. Um, um, sees from among you. So those misconducts are what is referring to, okay, that could grieve the Holy Spirit. So the question now is, did Paul actually at any point, so we are dealing with first, um, chapter 4 verse 30, we talk about the grieving of the Holy Spirit, and chapter 5 verse 5 that talks about um, those that are involved in misconducts, as it were, um, that could, could or oh, basically that says that no uh, idolater, fornicator, or clean person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So the question now is, um, did Paul actually at any point in this book infer that a Christian can lose his salvation? Okay? So that we want to investigate together. Okay? Now we want to investigate together. Did Paul infer that at all in this book? Now look at chapter 5 verse 5 again one more time. For this you know that no fornicator or unclean person or, com- or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now the word um, inheritance there is the Greek word kleonomia. Kleonomia. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. The E has an accent on it. K-L-E-R-O-N-O-M-I-A. O M I A, Cleonomia. So the E has an accent on it, that's why it's called Cle, Cleonomia. So basically, it means, um, it simply means patrimony. Okay, patrimony. Okay, so when I say patrimony, it means an inherited possession. Okay, that's what it means basically, and it means inherited possession. When I say patrimony, you know, it's from the um, origin patry, which has to do with your father. Okay, so what your father leaves behind for you inherit okay so that's what it means all right so let's examine together shall we huh all right move to chapter one and let's be fast please chapter one are we there 
Don't forget what I've, I said uh, when we studied, went through Gal um, Corinthians, how that was the introduction is the way to navigate through a book. You remember that? Okay, so Paul will now say something in the, in the introduction and begin to contradict it later in another portion of the, of the, of the book. Okay, of the same book. Alright, so let's, let's look. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, verse 1, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So, how, what does he refer to them as in verse 1? Huh? Saints. Can you see that? Saints there, I think this Greek word has, it basically has to do with people that are set apart. They are special to God. Okay? So he now says what? And faithful in Christ Jesus. It says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. It says what? Blessed be the God. Are we there? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, um, what God has done for us, the blessing with every spiritual place, uh, every spiritual blessing, every place in Christ Jesus, is it something He will do or something He has done? Huh? Okay, something He has done. Okay, so follow from there. Now, now He talks about the blessings as He goes ahead. He says, what, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Look at having predestined us to the adoption of, uh, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted and the beloved. I think I've explained that um, verse before in a number of times. Alright, especially in my teaching on the Bible and the believer. Alright, now um, he says, in him, pay attention. I think he used the word in whom, right? In whom? Okay. Basically, in him, of course, we're referring to the same person. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Okay. Can you see what it says? It says what? So, talking about redemption, talking about the forgiveness of sin. What it is, did it say, it didn't, I mean, what, what word does it use to describe our um, relationship with this thing? He says, well, we what? Have it. Right or right? Huh? Okay? Now, out there is the Greek word echo. Okay, echo. It's the Greek word echo. E-C-H-O. Okay? And you have an accent on it. E-C-H-O. Echo. Okay? Echo. It simply means to hold in possession. Are you with me? It means to hold in possession. Okay? It talks about the possession act ability, okay, that this thing belongs to you. Are you with me? Huh? Huh? Alright. Okay, so it means to hold in possession. Alright. Okay? So, you, um, you see that word is used, you see that that word is not, uh, it does not refer to something that we may have in the future, or something we are having as a process, but it says what we have it. Are you with me? Huh? Are you with me? That word have, that word echo in the Greek is using the present active indicative form. Are you with me? Okay? So that word is present and is active. It's something that is happening already. Okay? It is, uh, it is a done deal as it were. Okay? It says we have the forgiveness of sins. Talk about the possession activity, ability, sorry. 
Okay? He says, we have the forgiveness of sins. So, you don't ask for something you have, do you? Huh? Do you? Do you ask for something you have? Huh? Just like, what example can I use? You know, you, maybe, have, maybe for example, you have a, 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 um, Okay, maybe a ticket. Maybe you have a ticket to, to, a, to a, um, a party. And you get there, you meet a bouncer. Okay? You meet a bouncer there that's asking for your ticket. And you're holding your ticket in your hand. You're not telling that, uh, sir, please, is there any way I can get a ticket? Do you know how I can get a ticket? You know, you, you, you will look like a fool to him. Especially if he's seen the ticket in your hand. He will look like a fool. Okay? So, you know, um, you don't ask for something you have because it belongs to you. Are you with me? Okay. Just, just, just follow, just follow, follow through and pay attention. Okay. Now look at, look at the way he ends. Now he didn't just say we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sin. Look at the way he finishes it. Verse, verse seven. Are we there? According to what? Huh? According to what? First, I mean, Ephesians one verse seven. We have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins. According to what? Okay. According to how often we ask for it. Huh? Huh? According to how often we ask for it. Huh? Okay? This is what? According to the riches of His grace. Okay? So in essence, it means that what if God can ever become impoverished of grace? When I say impoverished, I mean that He begins to lack grace because He's already poor. He does not have abundance of it anymore. Okay? So that was saying in essence that what if God can ever become impoverished of grace? Okay, that is the only time that we can lose the forgiveness of sins. Okay, that's where we can lose the forgiveness of sins. Okay, if God can become impoverished of grace. You're not writing. Eh? No, you're not. Alright. So you see that what, you see what is, how we describe it. You see that what, we have um, redemption through him, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Okay? So, you know, according always places, um, um, uh, uh, try the word, maybe I use the word a responsibility or a, a, um, is maybe I use the word a source of a tool. Okay? Okay? So it's like what we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. Don't forget, I explained the word have. Okay? You don't say we will have. We have it. Right or right? Okay? It's something we have. It's a possession. Okay? Echo. Okay, echo. Now, it says what? According to the riches of his grace. Okay? That is how we have, or that is why we have the, um, the redemption. That's why we have the forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his grace. Because what God is rich in grace. So it, it is not according to how we ask of it. It's not according to our asking for it, for the forgiveness of sins, but according to the fact that God is rich in grace. Okay, now before we continue, now one thing we have been able to see so far is that, oh, okay, let me, let me was um, so far though, because this is just one reference. But one thing we can be able to see from this verse, and which I want to talk about, it says what, in him we, what do we do? In him or in whom we what, we have what, the redemption through what? Through what? Hey! Are you sure you have Bible? What was going on here today? Alright. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Are we there? Okay? Can we read verse 7 together? Everybody want to go? 
Okay? So it says, you know, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption through what? Okay? Now, one thing, one thing that is important to correct, because it's very strange to, to Bible doctrine, is how we abuse the use or the word, or, or our, our, where is use word? Our understanding of the blood of Jesus. Okay? You know? So the Bible says what in um, we have what redemption through his blood. And it's very important for you to understand what the blood was shed for one thing. And that's what it has to do with what our salvation from sin. That's what the blood was shed for. Our salvation from sin. See Romans chapter 5 very fast. I will be back here in a moment. Romans 5. I believe very fast because we have a long way to go. Romans chapter 5. Are we there? Romans chapter 5. Verse 9. Verse 8 to 9. Are we there? Romans 5, 8 to 9. It says what? But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by what? Huh? By his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Can you see that? See uh, first um, Peter. First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Are we there? See verse 18 to 19. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. I'm not comfortable with you, you are slow. Okay, First Peter 1, 18 and 19. Are we there? It says that what? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with what? Okay, with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Can you see that? Talk about what our redemption. Okay? In reference to, to what, how we were saved from, from the power of darkness to the kingdom of God. Okay? By his blood. See Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1. Are we there? Are we there? Okay, see verse 5. Revelation 5, 1 verse 5. It says what? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from what? In what? Okay. For him, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So you can see that what the blood is used consistently throughout the, the, the epistles, okay, in the reference to what? Our salvation from sin. Are you following me? Okay. The blood was shed for our redemption, for our salvation from sin. Are you with me? Okay? So it is an abuse. Okay? To be talking about the blood in reference to anything else. If you had to do other things, you know, you cover your food with the blood of Jesus, cover your car, car with the blood of Jesus, cover your... What else do we always cover with the blood of Jesus? Cover your question paper and answer sheet with the blood of Jesus. Those doing CBT exams, cover your computer screen with the blood of Jesus. I wish it could, a physical blood could just cover the screen. It's how you write the exam. <laughs> eh? Or when you're covering your car with the blood of Jesus, and, and blood should just cover your windscreen. <laughs> eh? It's, an, it's, actually an, it's actually an aberration, okay? It is, it is an abuse of what it means, okay? The blood is used consistently. Blood was shed for one thing, our salvation, okay? That's why what we can say that what, um, um, Jesus died for our sins. Okay, he was buried and he rose again from the dead. Okay, in the Old Testament, blood was offered um, as a sin, as sin offering once in a year. 
But Jesus offered his once and for all for our salvation. Okay? Not for not for cups, not for objects, not for food. Hallelujah. So move back to Ephesians and let's let's um deal with what we have there. Ephesians chapter one, are we there? Verse seven again. It says, What in him we have redemption through his blood. Okay, now let me continue from where I stopped there. This is what in whom we have echo redemption through his blood. They forget all the sin. For example, if I say in 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 um because of whatever because of this, 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 I have two millionaires. That means I'm saying that what two millionaire is now something that belongs to me. Are you following me? Okay? So if the Bible says you have the forgiveness of sin, you have redemption, it means something that belongs to you. Are you following me? Don't forget, we started by in verse 3 that says that what blessed said be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has was blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly place in Christ Jesus. And what he was making reference to those blessings. Are you following me? The spiritual blessings. Are you with me? We are talking about what we are talking about um, the predestination, talk about um, 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 redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Are, are we together? Then I goes ahead to say that what he, um, whom he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and put in the Bibles, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he proposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Can you see the mention of the word inheritance there? Remember clear, Nomia. Huh? Do you remember that? Okay, just follow. Uh, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things, um, according to the counsel of his will. Just a minute, please. Alright. Who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12 says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Okay? Um, verse 13, in him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You remember this verse, right? Huh? Now says what? Who is the guarantee or earnest of our inheritance? You see mention of the word cleonomia again. Okay? And use the word our in front of it. Okay? Until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, so one thing we have been able to see so far from something from what we have pointed out, did, did Paul start out this letter with an assurance? Huh? Okay, we see that we can see that what Paul started out, uh, Paul starts out with an assurance. Okay, so um, is something you should be able to have an idea of who he was talking about in chapter five. All right, you just follow. It's still at the time, okay? Alright, move to chapter 2. Well, before chapter 2, let's see verse 15 of chapter 1. Okay? It says what? Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of what? Okay, you see, mention of what is inheritance in the saints. Okay, that means this inheritance belongs to the saints. Why the right? Huh? Okay, so we can see mention of inheritance again. Say that what every saint has an inheritance. Why the right? 
or everything has an inheritance in him. You use what is inheritance. Can you see that? Okay, and don't forget, he has earlier started, he started in verse 1 by referring to them as saints. Right or right? He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Can you see that? Huh? Okay, so just follow from there. Move to chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. Alright. Um, says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now please pay attention. In whom you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so um, um, we, we, it's important for us to um, pay attention to a number of things, like I've always emphasized, especially when we're in women's, and of course when we go to First Corinthians. Okay, I talk about what um, using Bible terms, Bible way. You remember that? Okay, I talk about what using Bible tenses, Bible way. Okay, so whenever you see present tense, it means present tense. When you see past tense, it means past tense. Okay, when you, when you see um, future tense, it means future tense. So don't try to tweak it. Are we are 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 together? Okay, so he said that word. Look at verse, chapter 2, verse 1. And please pay attention as we, as we go through it together. It says, and you, and you he made alive. Okay, this is what quickens. Who were dead, it's about and sins. So are we dead or we were dead? Present or past? Okay, okay. Now that's what... Um, so the when you see the word um 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 quickened is from the Greek word I think it's um zupel which has to do with um, the word zao, which means to be made alive. Are you with me? Okay, and that's the word in whom you once walked, look at in whom verse two, in which you once walked. So are we walking in it or we walked in it? And uh did we are we walking in the course of this word or we walked according to the course of this word? Present or past? Okay? It says, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once have conducted ourselves in the loss of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So are we children of wrath or were children of wrath? Okay? Now it says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So this is what was um, quickened or what made us alive together with Christ. So we are no more dead, now we are alive. Okay? It's clear in the next verse when it says what? And raised us up together. That means what we have been raised from the dead. Right or right? So that's, is, is that clear now that we are no more dead? Okay? It says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where is our position today? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right or right? Now says what? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us by Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7 again. Okay, just, just follow. Just follow through. Now says what? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It is for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, um, okay, so I think we have a good idea. Just follow there. Now, see verse 11. It says what? Therefore, remember that you once 
dead out in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hand, that at that time you were without Christ. So are we without Christ or we were without Christ? So our, in our present state, are we, without, are we with Christ or are we without Christ? Huh? Okay, so we were without Christ. Now we are with Christ. Now, say what? That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So in the past we had no hope without God. Okay, now says, but now, can you see? The present, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, now basically, basically in basic parlance, Paul was talking, uh, addressing uh, a dispute that was happening between the Jews and the Gentiles in the, in Asia, especially in Ephesus in first century Asia. Okay, and he was explaining to how that was the Gentiles, okay, um, that were that that were far away from the promise, okay, that they have been brought near. Okay, now now follow follow through. Um, let's see, see verse nineteen. Verse 19, are we there? It says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom you, I mean, the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place or habitation, KJV, of God in the Spirit. Alright, so we can see something very important. I'll move to verse 11 one more time before we proceed. See verse 11. Are we there? Are we there? Okay. Can, can you read it in KJV in King James Version? Want to go? I can't hear everybody. Want to go? Okay, just stop there. So you said that what in time past they were what? In KJV, in time past, they were what? Why are you making it seem like it's a different Bible I'm reading? Okay, so it says that what in uh, in time past, they were what Gentiles in the flesh. So I want you to not to mix it up. Okay, it's not trying to say that um, you are a Gentile when you are not saved. Then when you are saved, you are becoming a Jew. No, that's what you're saying. It's not trying to say that what in the in the flesh you were Gentiles, but now in the flesh you are. You are Jews. Okay? That's not what he's talking about. Okay? He's saying that what, of course, when you say Israel, Israel, Judea, and everything, they are Israelites are in Israel, right? The land of Judea, Israelites are there. So every other land, every other place, every other people, well, um, they, are, they are called what? They are called Gentiles. Okay? So by birth, by naturalization, we, are not Jews. We are Gentiles. Are you with me? Okay. Now he's, he's talking to these people. Now he says that what? Um, remember that what in time past you were Gentiles in the flesh. When he says you were Gentiles in the flesh, not saying that what you were Gentiles in the flesh. Now you have become Jews because you believe. No. He's saying that what? He, what is it means by you were Gentiles in the flesh? Means that what? They were Gentiles who were in the flesh, and that's a, there's a difference. Okay. They are still Gentiles now. Okay, but they are no longer in the flesh. Are you following me? So when I say that you were Gentiles in the flesh, it means that what you were Gentiles that were in the flesh. Are you following me? Talking about unsaved people. Now it's going to make sense. Which of the three? 
I mean, chapter 4, sorry. Chapter 4. Are we there? Are we there? See chapter 4, verse 17. We'll move to chapter 3 in a moment. Just chapter 4, verse 17. Just to bother that. It says, This I say, therefore. See, you are wasting my time. Okay, verse 17. It says, These I say, therefore, that. Okay, and testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Can you see that? So that means he, he, he is um, confirming that they are still Gentiles. Right or right? But he said that we well, do not walk like the other Gentiles now. Are you following me? So that means you are still Gentiles, but do not walk like other Gentiles. Okay. Move chapter 3. Um, move chapter 3. Let's just continue from where we stopped. Chapter 3 verse um, 1. It says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have been, you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, that out that by revelation it may not to me the mystery, as I briefly have uh, briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his apostles and prophets, his holy apostles and prophets, that, now the, what is the, what is that um, information that I want to share? The revelation that was that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Can you see that? Okay, so the 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 the, the uh, message that was committed to Paul's hands, he emphasizes that in verse six that what that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Can you see that? And partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. You know, you see the word heirs now. Say what fellow heirs. Okay? Now, when you see, when you see the word heirs, you know that it's in reference to inheritance. Okay? It's in reference to inheriting something. Alright? Now, just follow. He now says, what of which I become a, became a minister according to the gifts of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Look at verse 8. It says, to me. Who am less than the least of all the saints. This grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles what? Okay? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Can you see that? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I point out for you to pay attention to that. That was unsearchable in the Greek. Are we there? The word unsearchable in the Greek is anexikniatos. Okay? Anexikniatos. Anexigniastos. Okay? A-N-E-X. Okay, the word um, unsearchable. A-N-E-X-I-C-H-N-I-A-S-T-O-S. Anexigniastos. Okay? So that's what the unsearchable, uh, that's the origin of the word unsearchable. It means untraceable. That's what it means. Untraceable. Okay, so it's the unsearchable use of Christ. It means un, un, untraceable. It means past finding out. Oh, we're really slow today. Alright, it means past finding out. Okay? So it says it, well, it, is, it is past finding out. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't find it out. Okay? Its, it's magnitude is that great. Alright. Okay? So it says that what the riches of Christ are what? 
according to chapter, um, chapter 3, verse 8, the ways of Christ are what? Huh? Huh? What word is used in your version? Is it the same word? Okay. Unsearchable ways of Christ. So she said, what the ways of Christ are what unsearchable. That means what untraceable. That is past finding out. It's beyond how you can imagine, as it were. Okay? So move back to chapter 1, verse 7. In a moment. That says that what? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to what? To what? According to the riches of his grace. And we have, we have been able to see in chapter 3 how that what? The riches of Christ are what? Untouchable. So it means that what God truly can never get impoverished of grace. Okay? God truly can never get impoverished of grace. That means they can never be insufficient of grace with God. God truly can never get impoverished of grace. And as such, we can never lose the forgiveness of sins. Okay, because it is according to the riches of His grace. Okay? See verse 18 again, that says that what? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. So you see the word riches used there again. Okay? Look at chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. It says what? But God, who is what? Who is rich in mercy. Can you see that? Okay? God is rich in mercy. Okay? And we have seen that what that riches of God is not like the riches of some man, some men. Okay? That, that it could come down at any point. And from the richest man in the world, you could become the second or become the third, according to Forbes, and later become first again, then move downward. And if anything happens to, to your company, you could become bankrupt, even though you are so rich. Okay? Okay? So, um, we have found out that what God is not just rich in mercy, but that riches is what untraceable, on what's unsearchable. Okay? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, move to chapter 4. Are we there? Chapter 4, verse 17. He says what? These I say therefore, and testify in the Lord. Don't forget, I, I, I just want you to hold on to everything, the foundation that Paul had laid. Now, he started by referring to them as saints. Right or right? Then went ahead to explain that what we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in every place in Christ. Right or right? Talk about what predestination, okay, to being like God. Talk about um, the, um, redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Talk about that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. How that what um, is the earnest or the guarantee of our inheritance, the redemption of the purchased possession. You remember, you remember that, right? Huh? Okay. Now, he, he now goes ahead in chapter 4, verse 17 and says, What well, these I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. That you should no longer work as the rest of, okay, of um, the Gentiles work in the fertility of their mind. I think KJV is the word you should not work. Is it henceforth or something? Henceforth, right? Okay, you should henceforth work not as the other Gentiles, huh? Oh, okay, okay. So you should henceforth not work as other Gentiles work. This version uses the word. Um, New King James Version, you should no longer work as the rest of the Gentiles. Okay? So that, so it means that what 
um, KJV is what other Gentiles. So it means that what these people are what Gentiles. Okay, but do not be like the rest or like the other Gentiles who are not saved. Are you with me? Okay, okay. Now follow through. Now it's better for you to notice and pay attention to this verse very well. So that Proverbs 17. Okay, because there's something to actually point point out there. Are, are we there? Okay. Now look out. So um, what is Paul's instruction actually like here? What is Paul's instruction actually um here actually? Okay, is that what they should no longer work? Okay, David, they should. Or how is it in your version? Um, Okay, so you see the word no longer work there. Okay, why can you use the word what ends for? Okay, now the instruction of Paul to these people that are saved, that are saints, right or right, that are saved with the Holy Ghost, right or right, is that what they should no longer work as the under Gentiles work? Okay, now can you be like I said earlier, can you use the word ends for? Okay, now that word ends for in the Greek is what meketi. Okay, and M-E-K-E-T-I. Okay, now. Okay? M-E-K-E-T-I. The first E has an accent on it. Okay? Meketi. Okay? And basically, that word Meketi means no longer. Okay? It means no longer. It means not anymore. Now I want you to I want you to really understand this. Okay? I want you to really understand this. So, so I'll wait for you to write that. Okay? Now even despite or in spite of all that Paul had said earlier. Now look at what that is talking in chapter 4, verse 17 again. This is what these I say therefore and testify in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you should no longer walk as other Gentiles walk. That's an instruction that I want you to pay attention to. Okay? That means um, in this church, there were actually Christians that were in misconduct. Because it didn't say you should do not work as the Gentiles are working. But that what you should work no longer as the Gentiles are working. Are you following me? Okay, that means there were actually some Christians that were working as the other Gentiles were working. Are you following me? And Paul was obviously aware of this. Before he said those wonderful things he said earlier. Right or right? Huh? Okay. Now follow through. Okay. So Paul was aware of this thing even before he wrote the letter because this was part of, this was part of the reason he wrote the letter. Okay. Because of to address a number of things including their conduct as Christians. Okay. But before he even started to talk about that, he said beautiful things talking about the assurance in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Huh? Okay. So the point for you to know is that your conduct does not affect your reality. Paul was aware of this before he said the wonderful thing he said earlier. Okay? So your conduct does not affect your reality. Rather, your reality should affect your conduct. I'm not comfortable with, with the way you are writing. I'm not comfortable with it. Okay? Your conduct does not affect your reality. Rather, your reality should affect your conduct. You know, I, I once gave an illustration in the second hearing about, about a prince. Okay? When a prince is eating a, a servant's food, does it stop him from being a prince? Huh? It does not stop him from being a prince. But he's not, he's not doing it the right way. 
He's not eating what belongs, what is, um, um, what should be his. Okay? But it's also in the fact that he's a prince. Okay? Rather, it is your, um, reality that should affect your conduct. Okay? Knowledge that what you are a prince will affect, uh, will, will, um, will affect your mindset towards what you eat. We don't allow you to eat any food. Okay? So what your conduct does not affect your reality, but your reality should affect your conduct. Alright. So let's just follow from, from this. See verse 18. Verse 18. It says what? Having their understanding darkened. Okay, it says that we should not walk as the rest of the other, I mean the, the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Can you see what it says? Look how he describes the other Gentiles. Being what? Okay? It says, having the understanding that can be alienated from the life of God. So you see that what it talks about here is talking about what the state of unbelievers. Are you with me? Huh? Okay, it's talking about what the state of unbelievers, which was our state as well, before we got saved. In the moment, chapter 2 again, chapter 2, verse 8. Chapter 2, verse 8. Are we there? Chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, 8. Are we there? Okay, it says the word, um, look at, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, don't forget what he said in, in chapter 4, talking about the Gentiles in verse 18. He said what they have the understanding darkened, right or right? Huh? Being alienated from the life of God. That means people are aliens to the life of God. They don't have the life of God. Alright. So that is talking about the state of unbelievers, which was our state before we got saved. So about 2 verse 8 it says what? For by grace you have been saved through faith. So Paul confirms that these people have been saved. Okay? That's why you could call them saints. That's why you could call us saints. Now it says what? For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. But look at your Bibles. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now it says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh. Who, I think I've explained that already, right? Huh? Huh? Okay, it says, who are called on circumcision by that which is called circumcision made in the flesh by hand. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So you can see that that was our past, which he, which he goes ahead to explain as the present state of these other Gentiles, that what they are alienated from the life of God. That's why in verse 13 it says in chapter 2 verse 13 it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away or far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, I talk about the blood of Christ again in reference to salvation. Can you see that? Can you see that? Okay? So the blood of Christ is not, the blood of, uh, of Jesus has nothing to do with um, physical objects and everything as it were. Alright. So, um, follow through from there. Move back to chapter 4, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Are we there? See verse 18. It says what? Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. Can you see that? Now says Lord, who being past feeling? I think it's past feeling in KJV as well. Okay? Who being past feeling? 
Okay, that word past feeling is just one word. Okay, is a palgeo. A P A L G O. I said earlier before we started that we're going to do a little, we'll do more of Greeks, uh, quite much of Greek to an extent today. Apalgeo, apalgeo. Okay. Um, A P A L G E O. The O has an accent on it. That's what past feeling means. Okay. So what past feeling means or apalgeo means, it simply means, um, apathetic. When you say apathetic, it means um, like void of feelings or emotions. Are you with me? Huh? Okay? That's what it means, to be void of feelings or emotions. That's what it means to be apathetic, from the noun apathy. Okay? So, he was he's describing the state of unbelievers. He said that what, who being past feelings, chapter 4 verse 19, that what these people are past feelings. That means they do not have feelings anymore. Are you following me? They do not have feelings. Sorry, let me word anymore. They do not have feeling at all. They do not have emotions. They are apathetic. Okay? Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all uncleanness and greediness. Okay? Okay? So, um, you, 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 um, Paul uses the word that, he says that these people are past feeling. They do not have the life of God. I said that earlier. Okay? The understanding is darkened. It now says that what they are past feeling. Okay? That means what they do not have emotions anymore. Okay? So they are doing those things. They have given themselves over to lewdness, to work on uncleanness and greediness. Okay? They are past feelings. So, so it means, so Paul is saying here, in essence, that these behaviors of unbelievers are innate. Are you with me? They are innate. Now I say innate. I mean, they are natural to them. Are you following me? So they are not trying to be someone else. They are doing what is natural to them. Are you with me? It is not like a, it's an idiosyncrasy. Like what is natural to them. It is, that's what defines them, as it were. Okay? So it is natural to unbelievers. Okay? Because it is their nature. Okay? It is their nature. You know, so, someone uh, once um, said something um, a couple of years ago, many years ago, that it is a sin for a sinner not to sin. Okay? Something like that. You know, because it's, it's, it's the person's nature. Are you following me? That is who the person is. That is the state the person is in. Are you with me? Okay. Now follow from there. Okay. So you are explaining that what well, this is their nature. They do not have the life of God. Like you said earlier in, in verse 18. They do not have the life of God. Okay. Unlike us. Okay. So the, the works that they can bring out are what are dead works. Are those things. Those, um, those misconducts, because what it is, it is natural to them. Are you, are you with me? Okay? But unlike us, chapter 2 verse 10. Chapter 2 verse 10. After explaining how that what we have been saved by grace through faith, it says that what, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works. Which God prepared for and that we should walk in them. Unlike us. Okay? So you see that what, unlike them, good works are natural to us. Are you with me? What is natural to them? That what evil works. Those evils that I was talking about. Okay? Because they what they are past feeling. Okay? But what to us, what good works are natural to us. So what we have been created in Christ Jesus, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? So what is saying that what good works are natural to us. Okay, so that's why there are instructions for us not to conduct ourselves like them. 
Okay? Because what? We are not like them. Okay? Unlike them, we have the life of God. Are we together? And can now see verse 20. Verse 20. Verse 20, are we there? Ah, we're really supposed to be. I'm not sure I'm able to finish with everything I have here. So I'll just find a way to. I'll just find a safe place to land. Okay? Verse 20, are we there? Okay? It says what? But you have not so learned Christ. I'm waiting for you. Okay? Are we there? Okay? So after mentioning all the things that, that, that are. Verse, according, um, previously from verse 17 to verse uh, 19, the things that are natural to unbelievers. See verse 19 that says what? Who will be in past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. What is it in KJV? Lasciviousness, right? Okay, it means lewdness. Basically, it's talking about the same thing when you talk about immorality. Basically, that's what it means, basically. Okay? Um, lewdness to work all on cleanness and greediness. But it says that what? That is not our, that is not natural to us. Okay? It says, that's why it says in verse 20 that what? But you have not so learned Christ. Even did you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. When it says by him, basically it's the word, Greek word and. It means you have been taught in him. Of course, none of them were taught directly by Jesus. It means they were taught in Christ. Okay? Uh, okay? It now says what? Um, okay? Even did you have been taught in him and have, uh, you have heard him and been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your what? Can you see the word? Use the word poma. Can you see? To see that word, it is now your past. Okay? To see that word, that you put off concerning your former conversation. Okay? Conversation in KJV it means conduct. I think it's conduct in your, verse, in your version. Or behavior. Okay? Behavior in your verse. Okay? So that conversation there is an old English. It means um, conduct. Okay, that you put up concerning your former conduct, that old man of your Bibles, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Now says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay. Now now says what? And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, now we say that what? Therefore, look at your Bibles. Putting away line. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, so you see that what? So you see that what? On the premise of saying that we are not like these people, he now starts giving instruction on the things that are innate to these people that we should not do. Are you with me? And answer that word, verse 25. Therefore, putting the way line, let each one of you speak to it with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Look at verse 26. It says, Be angry. I think it is what be angry. Okay? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? If you feel that you are not really here, you could ever say by standing up. Alright, so, um, it says what, um, verse 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? Now, I want you to know that this is not an instruction that anger is, is cool. It's not trying to say that, it's not trying to, it's not like a permissive statement that well, you, you can be angry, but do not sin. No. 
Don't get yourself confused. Confused. Look at verse, look at verse, um, verse, um, 31. Are we there? Are we there? Look at what it says. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil, spe- evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So it's anger about the thing that I said should be put away. Huh? Okay. So I want you to know. So move back to verse 26. So verse 26 is not an instruction that was, you can't be angry. You know that I say that well, there's some anger that are cool or something like that. No. Okay, that word be ye in the Greek is not is not even is not even there at all. They were added by the translation. Translation does not it does not have uh, uh, a representation in the original text. Okay, the word be is not there, so it is it is actually not a permission to be angry, but something is more like a concession, like what like if you are angry, do not sin. Are you following me? So don't forget, I mean, he went ahead to say that word, let anger be put away from you. Are you following me? So he's not trying to say that word, Christians, you can be angry, but do not sin. No. Is that why he's saying that word, if you are angry, do not sin. Okay? So Paul is not expecting them to get angry, but he's saying that word, if that gets to happen, ensure that you do not sin as a result of it. Okay? Um, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, that is obviously not, um, that is obviously not literal. Okay? That, when you say do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, a minute please. Okay, okay, just like I said, like I put here, you know, um, um, the New International Version uses the word in your anger, do not sin. Okay? Alright. Now, you now go to say that what, um, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Or do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, that is obviously not literal. What you say in essence is that what, you should, you should, um, you should deal with your anger as soon as possible. That's what it simply means. It's metaphorical. Are you following me? So it's not talking about, it's not literally talking about the sun going down or not. Because you can get angry in the night when the sun has set already. Isn't it? It's pos- isn't it possible? It's possible now. You might be someone that promised you 2K. Maybe it's in the night he said he promised you the 2K. That we said it and because of that you already borrowed money from someone that you return in the next one hour. And that's how you started waiting for waiting, waiting, waiting. And he probably said that in person after that, ah, did you check the this April one now? April two. They are still calling me a fool on top of Okay. Alright. So, so it's obviously not literal here. It is what is metaphorical. Okay. It simply means that what you should deal with your anger as soon as possible. Not literally talking about the sun going down. Not the one you get angry. That's like, ah, has the sun gone down? We have not gone down yet. Ah, I can still be angry. Ah, yes. I will show you. And I say, ah, wait, it's, it's almost five already. It's almost five. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, I'm no more angry. No more angry. Things like that. No. It seems what deal with your anger as soon as possible. Are you with me? Okay. So like I said earlier, this is not a permission to get angry, but it, but it's talking about that. What if you are in that state? Do not. Why is it do not sin? For what you said earlier, I mean, what you whether I had to say in verse um, in verse thirty one that will let anger be put away from you. So you know that what anger is part of those misconducts that are innate to these unbelievers. Are you following me? So anger in itself is a sin as well. Okay, but when he says that what in your anger do not sin, he says that what you should not act when you are angry. Do not act as a result of that. So in essence, if there's something, if you can prevent yourself from taking an action based on that anger, are you following me? 
because it's, okay if you, you should prevent yourself from taking an action or a wrong action basically based on that anger that why many times um, people are advised that you could if you are angry just you should not leave the place okay to get yourself to somewhere private or something so that you won't have to react based on that anger because many times in anger people get to do things that they did not intend to do or say things they did not intend to, to say which could actually cause irreparable damage okay you probably did not mean it or most likely didn't mean it but you cannot take back those words they have gone already okay they have gone already if the world is going to give someone a heart attack the person has the heart attack already okay by saying you know minutes we're not we're not we're not reverse the process like avengers um when you, you do like this like you go back into the past okay and now really you now erase the word that you said no it's not possible okay so in your anger do not go take an action based on that anger okay do not take a wrong action based on that anger are you following me that's what it means by what in your anger do not sin so don't forget it is not an instruction that where you can be angry but do not sin no but what if you are angry do not sin do not let the sun go down upon your god that means what deal with your anger as soon as possible are we together now goes ahead to say that what neither give place to the devil can you see so when you when you when you when you act based on your anger you are giving place to the devil are you following me and i've explained that to an extent it could cause irreparable damage okay it could cause irreparable damage. All right. Now he now says um, verse twenty-eight. A moment, please. Um, all right. Verse 20, twenty-eight. He now says what? Let no. Don't forget. He's, he's still he's still giving instruction about those misconduct that are in it or natural to unbelievers to other Gentiles that should not be found among these people that are saved, though they are Gentiles like us. Okay, now that's in the words, verse 20, 28. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather, look at your Bibles, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have to give. That he may have something to give to him who has need. Hmm. Look at verse 28 again, and pay attention to it. In the moment. Okay? So what should he that stole do? Huh? Huh? Okay, is to what is to what is to stop stealing. Right or right? Huh? Is to what stop stealing. Huh? Look how it says it says, let him that stole steal no longer, or steal no more. Okay, but let him labor, working with his hand, the thing that is good. Now, so it's all about talk about. So it didn't. It was specific as well that you work with your hand, the thing that is good. So don't say that I was okay because I don't want to steal. So let me work with my hand. But you want to do something wrong, you are still stealing. You will still end up stealing one way, I, one way or the other. I be fraud, fraud. When you fraud, when you commit fraud, you are not, you are not robbing the person. Like you are, you are not. Um, it's not an armed robbery. <laughs> eh? But you are working with your hand as well. <laughs> but it's something that is not good. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. So um, it's specific that what we think that is good. Are you with me? Okay. But look at the instruction again. This what let him that stole do what. So what the point that stole? What are you supposed to do? To what? To what? To stop stealing. 
Report all of our restitution here. Is a question now. Eh? You are laughing now. It's just a question. Eh? The book talk about restitution here. Okay. Paul did not say anything about restitution. Now, I want you to know this. Okay. You see, um, restitution is very good. Okay. It's very moral. Very moral. Very right. Okay. But the Bible never made it in a, a making heaven recipe. Okay? The Bible never made it a, a, a principle for making heaven. Although you think that Paul, Paul would have instructed that. Eh? What, what was Paul instructed about the project that's told? That what you should stop doing that. Because this thing is in it to other Gentiles, to unbelievers. So stop it. Just like he said earlier in verse 71, that what you should no longer walk as they walk. As they walk. Or as the others work. Okay? So we're letting that stole still no more. Okay? We're letting him work with his hands. So restitution is good, but the, the Bible never made it a doctrinal principle for making heaven. Okay? The Bible never made it a principle for making heaven. You know, there was one, one funny example that I, I heard a couple of years ago. I was still on campus then, and you know, I, I was like really shocked, you know. Many people in, in a bit to to try to please God, you know. Sometimes we could just, well, it's, it's good. Sometimes some people some people end up uh, uh, being able to to do something that maybe in the long run, even after the many many funny things that happen, they they still get fine later. But some people that try to take after them might not end up being being fine as well. Well, one of the examples I like, you know, like, like I said earlier, restitution is good, it's fine and everything, okay. You can do it, it's, it's very good, but the Bible never instituted it as a Bible making, I mean, heaven making uh, principle or making heaven principle. You know, one example of someone that he was just talking and he said now that in his, um, his uh, what exam was that? I think it was his, I think it was a Wase, Wase, either Wase or UTME, or one of, one of the two, or either, either. Either of both, or not maybe both, either or both, that he, he cheated and everything. So it was already maybe 300 levels, be about rather 200 levels, 300 levels. And, yeah, and when he, he, he started, he was pricked that he ah, I need to restitute that he stole. I mean, that, that, was, that was very, that he, he, he cheated and everything. So he went to, he went to forfeit his admission and we write another one, you know. And you know, and you well, <laughs> why are you laughing? You know, you say that you that it is it's easy to give that testimony because you are already fine now. It's already it's already many years ago, okay. But some people that try to follow that footstep, they may not end up being fine at all. It's not that that gay admission. Maybe after five UTME, okay, you now find gay admission. I say, ah, oh my God, I, and you are in three hundred level already. I say, ah, oh my God. I, ah, oh, I, oh my God, I have to, I have to restitute because, because of the, the cheating. So you forfeit the admission, then go and write another, then you begin to write, 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 well, later, I think I'm not writing again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, okay, so it's, 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 I don't know, I don't know what exactly to say about that. That's quite funny. 
Okay, so but what is the instruction? That would still no more. Right or right? Huh? That means you should stop it, you should desist from it. Okay? Still no more and work with your own hands. To what end? So that you now will become in position to what to meet the needs of others, not stealing from them. For this time around, you will be doing the other the other way around to an extent. Okay? This time around, you'll not be taking from people, but you will be, be the one giving to people. Okay? So work with your own hands that you will be able so that you'll be able to meet the needs of others. So like I said, the constitution is great. But do not add to what the Bible said. Or what the Bible says about salvation and heaven. Okay? What we have seen in chapter 2 is very clear. That salvation is what is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Maybe saw my, my post on the WhatsApp a couple of days ago. I was talking about the five, um, uh, what, what was that? Is it the creed or something like that? Of the Reformation. Okay? So that, um, um, Sola Gratia. That's by grace alone. Huh? And Sola. Oh, do I remember? I know uh, Sola Scriptura means um, scripture alone. That's part. And Sola Christos is um, by Christ alone. And and uh, solar epide, yeah, that's by faith alone. And the last one is the uh, glory of God alone as well. Okay? So the important for you to know what we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's what Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9 emphasizes. That's why it's very clear. It's that not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not because of your actions that you are saved in the first place. I think I, I did a good job in explaining that in the first and second tract. As I was, salvation is only a percent God's performance and zero percent man's performance. So you should, um, con- good conduct is good. Thank God, that, thank God they are called good works. But they should, they should, you should know its place. Good works are response, your response to salvation, not your your action to receive salvation. No, your response to salvation. That way, it's only those that are saved that their works are seen as good before God. Okay. Verse 10 that we saw as well earlier. That was for um, for we as work martin created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Okay? Are we together? So he says that what do not let so he says that what the boy that has told you what to steal no more, but you should walk with his hand what is good that he may have to give either that needs. Verse 29, are we there? That says, Let no corrupt words. I think it is word communication. Okay, let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I think I will talk about this next week. Now, the Nagos has to say that word, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I think it's already clear now that he's obviously talking about through your conduct. Right or right? Huh? Alright, so just follow from there. So he now says that what? Uh, but interestingly, in the midst of that, okay, he continues with an assurance again. Look at it very well. Say what? Verse, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Did he stop there? Huh? What does he say next? By what? By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Can you see that? 
You know, I explained that this in the first and second track um, um, on, the word, on the word sealed. Spragizo in the Greek. And it's a verb. Okay? Spragizo, which means what? It describes a stamp. A stamp of ownership. Like, you, like this belongs to me. So the example I gave in, um, in, in the first track was that what? Like, like in um, traditional setting. When a king is just walking by and he sees a maiden, he just put his hostel on her like this, forget. Don't even bother to argue. She has already become one of his wives. Eh? That was, that was said that would best early. Something like that. Are you following me? So that's what the stamp means, a seal. Okay? That what you were sealed, the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit of, of promise. Okay? So what that it means that what bah, this belongs to me. Okay? It defines what it describes a stamp of ownership. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So that was Fagizo means. This belongs to me. Okay? So what is that stamp? Or guarantee? Or who is that stamp or guarantee? What? The Holy Spirit. Okay? It says, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Ghost. Now, pay attention to that again. By whom you were what? Pay attention to it. Read it. Read it. By whom you were what? Huh? This is by whom you were sealed until you do something wrong. Huh? Huh? Okay. On, or this is by whom you are sealed. This is grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed until you papa grieve him. Eh? This is that. This is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed until you do so. Until you grieve him. This is that. Okay? You go there and say that what do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed until the day of redemption. Until the day of redemption. The redemption of our bodies. Like I said earlier, look at chapter 1, verse 13 again in a moment. I was so earlier. Chapter 1, verse 13. Are we there? Are we there? It says that what in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of to the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you were after you believed, you were what? You were sealed without the Holy Spirit of promise, who is what? The guarantee. Of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Can you see that? So it's talking about what a seal unto the day of redemption. So does grieving the Holy Spirit have anything to do with the loss of salvation? Huh? Huh? Even in that text, it still presents an assurance. Can you see that? So that's nothing to do with the loss of salvation. So what Paul is saying in essence is that what the Holy Spirit is the mark of this new life that you have in Christ Jesus. So let him control you and okay, walk in the Spirit, else you will make him grieved. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit is the mark of this new life that you have now. Now you have the life of God through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Ghost. So if you do not walk in that life, if you do not allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to gain control of you, if you walk um, um, contradicting the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in you, you will grieve Him. Are you following me? Because what is the mark of that new life that you have now? So just like you are trying to frustrate Him. Are you following me? Okay. That's what He's saying. Okay? Still, He does not, not talk about what? He does not talk about what? The loss of salvation. You are, by whom you are sealed. Until the day of redemption. Okay? So you have an, an eternal, eternal um, relationship with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the, the, the seal. Okay? It's that seal. 
But one thing we have seen, you can see as well, that you should know that um, um, sin, it's important for you to see sin beyond just breaking a rule. Okay? But the fact that what you are what grieving the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, is it clear so far? Okay, let's move forward. Now says in verse 31. It says, let all... Okay, so um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20... I mean verse 30 is already clear, right? right. Okay, now it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So those things are what they are in it or natural to other genders, right? right. Okay, but not to you. So what let it be put away from among you. Look at what I said too, very interesting. Very interesting. It says, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even. Can you complete that verse? Can you see that? So the forgiveness that is in God, or the forgiveness that is by God, is it something that will be done, something that is being done, or something that has been done? Can you see that? You see that Paul never made a reference to forgiveness as, as like, like the, um, the, me to just say the, um, the conventional Christian. The conventional Christian sees forgiveness as what? As an ongoing process, as a continuous process. So that what? You do something wrong, then you have to receive it, then continue again, but you do something wrong again, receive it, and it's a process that continues till you die. Okay? But the Bible, in Bible, Bible lingo, Forgiveness is a Bible ego which is used always as something that has been done. It says that what um, be kind to one another, verse 32, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as what God in Christ, or God for Christ's sake, as what has forgiven you. This Bible is even as God in Christ forgave you. Don't forget what we saw in chapter 1, verse 7. In whom know we what we have, the word the forgiveness of sin. It is a possession that belongs to us. Echo. Okay, present active indicative. That is something that we have. According to what? Not our asking, but what? According to the riches of His grace. This is that what? Forgiveness of sin is a done deal in Christ Jesus. Okay? You have been forgiven once and for all. You know, I always emphasize that. What Bible tends, then to use Bible tends Bible way. The Bible tends always refers to forgiveness as something that has been done. Not something that will be done or something that has been done, but something that has been done. Okay? We'll see another reference next week as well. Alright. Glory to God. Okay? Now, so he said that what be kind to one another, look to your Bibles, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ. Forgive you. That's the word. Therefore, be imitators. Now, pay attention. This is what verse 31. Let verse 31 of chapter 4. Let all bitterness, all anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That says, therefore. Be imitators of God as their children. Okay? You know, that, that word um, imitators is from the um, Greek word um, mimetes. M-I-M-E-T-E-S. Um, mimetes. 
okay mimetes m-i-m-e-t-e-s the two have accents on on them mimetes okay so that's the that's the um um the origin of the word mimic are you with me huh okay so it says what be imitators of god mimetes it means um, mimic or imitators okay that's the original word mimic. So it simply means Im imitators. Okay, well, okay. There was a reason I I, I said that. Um, KJV is the word followers, right? What is it in your own version? Imitators, beautiful. Now KJV is the word followers. Followers is there yeah, is what is mimitators. It means imitators. Okay, I said it's the original word mimic. Okay, so so look at what it says. What therefore be what imitators of God, as their children. That means as the beloved children of God. God is your father. Are you following me? So what? Be imitators of God. So how can you be imitators of God? From the context. Huh? You're not saying what he said. <laughs> no? Look what he said earlier. Look what he said earlier. That what? And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, doing what? Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Can you see? That means what the reference to our forgiveness is God's forgiveness. So the same way God has forgiven us, we should we should what we should take a cue from that and what forgive one another. Can you see that? So that's how to be what an imitator of God, because God forgave freely. You two should what forgive freely. Are you with me? So we see that what God's forgiveness is once and for all in the past, but our forgiveness is what is continuous. That means that what forgive one another. Are you following me? Present tense. Okay? Forgive one another. Even as God was at forgiving you. Or God forgave you. Are you with me? Okay? So what take a cue from God. That's what it means when it says what be imitators of God. Are we together? Now, now I have to say in verse 2. Okay? That's what? And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. It says, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. You know, I, I, there's so much, so much old English in, in KJV that makes, that distorts me a number of times. I think you use the word become a saint. Why the right? Huh? As become saints, right? Or become a saint. Become it, right? Okay? Now, so that word become it. It's not talking about um, a minute. All right. Now, it's not saying that what um, you people... How should I put this? Okay, let me look at it again. Verse 3. So, what, let it not be named among you as becoming saints. Like, you know, it might, um, from the way it looks like originally, we use that becoming in today's parlance now. It would mean like, um, do not... Um, do not um, let it be named among you as people who are becoming saints. Are you following me? As becoming saints. Are you following me? That way it seems. As people who are becoming saints. But don't forget what you said in verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. You see that word? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to, to the saints. Can you see that? To the saints. So he refers to them as what? As saints. This is chapter 2, verse 19. Are we there? Chapter 2 verse 19 says what? Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with who? Huh? 
and what of the household of God. So it refers to everyone that what we are fellow citizens with the saints. Okay? That means we are fellows with the saints, with other saints. Okay, that means we are saints just like others. Are you with me? Huh? Okay. So move back to chapter 5. So when it says become it, so it's not talking about that what we should not do this because we are becoming saints. No. He had earlier confirmed that we are saints. Okay? And that's why I said that's an old English. Because I, I'm sure it's not becoming that in your version. What's in your version? Chapter 5 verse 3. Okay, as it's speaking for saints. Can you see that? Chapter 5 verse 6. So the word become it there in the Greek. Okay? It simply means is the word prepo. P R E P O. P R E P O. Okay, it simply means proper. Okay, it means um, um, suitable. Okay? That way you will see um, the, um, the English standard version will say what as is proper among saints. Okay? My version, moving this version says what even as is fitting for saints. So you talk about something being suitable. So in essence, when you say that what as is fitting for saints, that means in essence, he, he's, he's still confirming that you are saints. Are you following me? So what, do not do those things that are not fitting for you, that are not suitable for you, that are not proper for you guys that are saints. Because it is what is not innate to you. It is innate to these people, to other Gentiles. So you remember that, right? Okay? So what, what is innate to you? We have seen that earlier in chapter 2 verse 10 as what? Good works. Huh? Huh? Okay? So he said that what? Um, for, um, um, verse 3 again. Let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. That means it, it does not fit you guys who are saints. Are we together? Okay, now follow. Now says that, um, okay, verse 4. Now says what? Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Can you see that? Which are not fitting. Now, um, basically, they talk about um, um, not convenient. Okay, that's what is in KJV Abi. Convenient, okay. Convenient. That's the word aneko uh, in the Greek. Aneko. It means, what it means there, basically, it means they are not in place. Like, aneko means in place. Are you following me? So when, it's, when you see, when it says not fitting, or not, uh, not fitting. Fitting means in place there, aneko. Are you following me? So when you say uh, that A-N-E-K-O. Now, so when, when it says not fitting, that means what? It is not in place. That means it is out of place. Are you following me? So you see that our Paul is emphasizing over and over that what this thing is not in your nature. That when you are doing this thing, you are you are acting out of place. Are you following me? That it is out of place. It's just like a king that is eating from the dustbin. It's something that you cannot kind of get your mind to comprehend. Like it's out of place. Are you following me? It's out of place. Hallelujah. Okay. So, um, you know, it says that what neither um, those things which are out of place or which are not fitting. Okay. So, you know, when I say that what for these you know, verse five, that no fornicator, unclean person, no covetous man, who is an idolater. As any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. I think you have an idea of what who is referring to here. Huh? Huh? Okay. Now that's good idea to say that what let's know. Okay, let's see from verse 5 again, straight to verse 6. It says what for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man is an idolater, as any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. 
Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon who? Huh? Comes upon what the children or what the sons of disobedience. Can you see that? Can you see that? Okay? So you can see that what, uh, one thing is clear already. That is evidently, that Paul is evidently contrasting believers, I mean, contrasting unbelievers with believers. Right or right? Huh? Okay? So like we saw earlier, Okay, just a minute, please. There's something that I wanted to really jot down that I want to be sure if I really did. Okay, I did. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so you see that Paul is evidently contrasting unbelievers with believers. Okay, he says that what these people have do not have any inheritance. Look at about five again. These people do not have inheritance. Of course, the word any was added there. Does not have an um, an a representation in the text. Says, which does not have inheritance. Okay. In other words, for you, you know, no fornicator or clean person or conventional man always an adorator has inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So, like I said earlier, Paul is evidently contrasting unbelievers with believers. Okay. Because Paul had earlier confirmed, okay, that every believer has an inheritance in Christ. Are you following me? Don't forget the word kleronomia. Do you remember? Eh? Kleronomia. Do you remember? The meaning of the word inheritance. Inherited possession. Are you sure you remember? Move to chapter 1. Very fast. Chapter 1 verse um, 13. Chapter 1 verse 13. Are we there? Okay. It says what? Um, in whom you also trust, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, look to your Bibles, after having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now says what? Who is what? The guarantee of what? Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of what? So did he say of the inheritance of some people? Huh? Of what? Our inheritance. Can you see that? Unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, that's the word what kleronomia. Mia. Okay, so Paul has um, um, confirmed here that what every believer has an inheritance in Christ. Are you following me? Okay, look at um, verse um, 18. Verse 18, are we there? So that what the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the what, the hope of his calling, what are the what? The what? Can you see that? The riches of what? The riches of what? Okay, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Can you see? Every saint has what? An inheritance in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Okay? So you see that what Paul is evidently contrasting unbelievers with believers. Are you with me? Okay? Now, move back. Move. Let me buttress that a little more. Move back to chapter 5. And that's saying that what these people that are involved in this in verse 5, they do not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In other verse 6, that what let no one deceive you with empty words. Is it vain in KJV? Okay, with vain words or empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon who? Okay, so I want you to pay attention to the two things in that verse. Okay, because of these things, what is happening? The first thing is what? The wrath of God. Can you see that? Huh? And the next thing you can so you can pay attention to what the wrath. 
Okay? And that's both sides to say that what upon who? Comes upon who? The what the children of disobedience. Or what sons of disobedience. This is what the wrath, this is what sons of disobedience. Now move it to chapter 2. Very fast. Ephesians 2. Are we there? Ephesians chapter 2. Are we there? Verse 1. It says what? And you he made alive, who were dead in celebrities and sins. Now pay attention. In which you once walked according to the cause of this word, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in you. Can you see? So is that your present or your past? Huh? Huh? Okay. Now look at what it now says. Among whom, so we have, we have cleared out the children of disobedience. That is in reference to unbelievers. Right or right? Now goes ahead, look at verse 3. It says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the laws of our flesh. Look at your Bibles. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And where? Did he say are or where? Present or past? Okay? And where by nature children of what? Okay? Alright. Look at this verse 3 again. Okay, it says, among whom. <laughs> okay, verse 3. It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the laws of our flesh, the fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of what? Okay? So, wrath, is it our present or our past? Sons of disobedience, is it our present state or our past state? Okay, so it's important for you to understand those words, those key terms that are used in, in chapter 5 as well, verse 5 and 6. That's that what those people do not have inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God. Of course, the wrath will come on children of wrath. Right or right? Okay? The wrath of God comes upon what? The sons of disobedience. Can you see that? Okay, like I said earlier, it's important for, always, I mean, for you to always pay attention to Bible tense. Okay, so it's clear that Paul is contrasting unbelievers with believers. Right or right? Right or right? In reference, in reference to what, to what the conduct that are, what, that are innate to them. Are you following me? The conduct that are innate to them. Now, now I'm going to say in verse 7, chapter 5 verse 7, that what, therefore, I think it is what, be therefore, be not therefore or something. Okay, we know you therefore. Okay, so it says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. So, from the context, partakers of what? Is it partakers of wrath or partakers of the evil conduct? Huh? Um, who should I ask? Eh? Okay, look at it, look at it one, one more time. Verse 5 to verse 7. It says, For these you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous and idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Obviously talking about conduct. And that says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. But because of these things. So what are the, these things? Those conducts, right? Okay? The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That says, Therefore do not be partakers with them. So, partakers of what? Is it partakers of the wrath of God or partakers of these things? Okay, talk about what the, what the evil conducts. Right or right? Okay, it's going to get clearer as we, as we proceed. See verse 8. Are we there? Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness. 
For in the past. Huh? Okay. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is um, acceptable. I think KJV is word proving. Right? Huh? Okay, proving. So in essence, it means discerning. Okay? Discerning what is acceptable to the Lord. Look at verse 11. That we have. It says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Can you see that? Can you see what's in verse 11? Huh? And what? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So in verse 7, when it says, Do not be partakers. Partakers of what? Okay? Of the evil conduct. Like I said in verse, um, verse 11, that we do not have fellowship with your fruitful works of darkness. Can you see that? Now, you see that when you use the word unfruitful as an adjective, in contrast to what you earlier said in verse 9, when it says that the fruit of the Spirit. Are you following me? When it mentions fruit, are you with me? That it says that the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. But here in verse 11, that says the word, um, do not have fellowship with the unfruitful. Now this is the word unfruitful. In essence, it means that what something that that is not beneficial. Okay? Okay? I have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather reprove them. New King James Version is the word expose. Okay? Rather reprove them. In essence, when it says reprove them, it means that what you should express your disapproval. Are you with me? I have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but what rather reprove them. Express your disapproval. Now says that what? For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Look at your Bibles, please. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Now, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Okay, so the 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 it says awake you will sleep. So this the uh, obviously is is referring to Christians here, right or right? Huh? Okay. So the sleep there, obviously not not about the physical sleep, right or right? Uh, when I say physical sleep, it's not about um, taking a nap or sleeping in the night or at night. Are you with me? Okay. So that sleeping obviously has to do with conduct. Are you following me? No, don't forget, yeah, they said that well, you should no longer work as what the other Gentiles work. Because these things are not what innate, innate to you. Okay? So, those that are what, in, Christians that are involved in this, he refers to them as what people that are sleeping. He said what, awake you who sleep. Okay? He now said that what, arise from the dead. Are you together? Okay? Now, that deadness, is it deadness? Okay, look at chapter 2 verse 1. In a moment again. It's just important that I need to re-emphasize things over and over again. Are we together? Are we together? Chapter 2 verse 1. Say that word. And you who made a, and you he made alive, who what? So are we dead or we were dead in sins? Present tense or past tense? Look at verse 5. Chapter 2 verse 5. Are we dead? It says what? Even when we were dead. Chapter 2 verse 5. Are we there? Even when we were dead in trespasses, look at your Bible, please. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, is it our present or our past? Huh? Okay? Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, is what he made us alive together with Christ. 
Can you see? And raise those up together. Can you see that? Okay? So move back to chapter 4. I mean chapter 5, sorry. Chapter 5 verse 14. So when he says that what? I'll wake you who sleep. Arise from the dead. That deadness. Is it deadness in, in nature or in conduct? Eh? Because you earlier confirmed that what? We, in nature, we are not dead. Now we are alive in Christ. We have been raised together with Christ. Deadness was our past. Okay? But it's possible to be what? To be dead in conduct. Are you with me? Okay? So what? I wake you will sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Are we together? Are we together? Okay, now when it says, therefore, it says, and now mention this, is actually this, this um, statement that I like, that, that is highlighted here is actually not a direct quotation from the, or a direct quote from the Old Testament. There's actually a uh, speculation that was called from a, what is it called now? Uh, C U L L E D, from a, um, an early Christian poem. Or him, okay, based based on Isaiah 60 verse one. What is Isaiah 60 verse one that says that what? What is Isaiah 60 verse one? <laughs> Arise and shine, for the light is come, the glory of God is I mean is risen upon you. Are you together? I mean, are we together? Okay. So um, basically, um, there's a speculation that it, um, that there was a poem, an early Christian poem that was that was um, called from that verse. Okay, that. Paul is making reference to here. Are you following me? So this statement that I, that I mentioned here, awake you will sleep, arise from the dead, I can't give you light. It's not a direct quote from the Old Testament. Are we together? Are we together? Okay? Now now says that what? See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We deem the time because the days are evil. Okay, so when I say give me time, it means we're making the most of the time. Are we together? Huh? He's talking about spending our time wisely. Okay, not doing those things that are not beneficial to us, unfruitful work of darkness, like I said earlier. Okay, and they are actually not innate to us as well. Okay, so he said that what? Do um, um, be not unwise. Okay, um, do not work. Um, do not work uncircumspectly. That means work circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. Verse sixteen, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Now says, therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It says, and do not be drunken with wine. Can you see that what everything that is being mentioned from chapter 4, verse 17, that words, even when he talks about giving the Holy Spirit, when he about the people that are doing these things, we are we know in the kingdom of God, everything, that words. See that what they are all talking about conduct. Are you following me? Okay, he says that what, um, and do not be drunk with wine, verse 18. I think I talked about wine, uh, was it last week? Okay, that was last week where I talked about wine, okay. Now I said, and be not drunk with wine. KB is what wearing his excess, right? Wine, when we, we're wearing his excess, okay, but be filled with the spirit. Okay, wearing his excess, but be filled with the spirit. Now I need to correct this um, verse in verse 18. Okay, this is a correction to, to, to something I once said. Now, when it says, um, do not be drunk with wine, wearing in excess, it's not talking about, it's not talking about quantity. Okay, that, that, um, it is, it is, um, excess wine that can make a man drunk. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Obviously, much wine can, in fact, there are people that have not much wine. Just takes more, they will get drunk. Everybody has different thresholds. Some people like this, they will take so many. 
they will still drive home. They will get there. Everything perfectly. That's some people like this. <laughs> Just take half a bottle like this. <laughs> you are you are you are gone. Remember when we saw Proverbs 23 last week that you will see strange things. <laughs> it look like you are you are you are sleeping on the sea or on top of a mast. <laughs> you start seeing strange things. Okay? So now but here yeah, it's not talking about quantity of wine. Excess there is the Greek word asotia. I, I made this correction um, um, on Facebook. Was it last year or this year? Okay, this year, sorry. This year, earlier this year. It's from the Greek word asotia. A-S-O-T-I-A. The O has an uh, accent on it. The word excess is the word asotia. O has an accent on it. A-S-O-T-I-A. Asotia. It simply means... It means um, profligacy. P-R-O-F-L-I-G-A-C-Y. So when, when I say profligacy, I mean waywardness. That's what it means. That's what asotia means. Are we together? Huh? It means waywardness. That's why you see that in New Kingdom version, you see the word dissipation. Are you following me? So it's not talking about excess wine. Okay? So you say that what, so what is, what is saying in essence is that what drunkenness for a Christian is waywardness. Are you following me? Okay? So when it says that, um, the other, there are some other places that it was used in the Bible when you see the word excess. You see, you see the word excess, but it's talking about waywardness. Okay? You see rioting and excesses. I think maybe in Timothy there about. Okay? So what, it's talking about waywardness. So, um, a, for a Christian to get drunk, it is what? Waywardness. Alright. So it is not talking about amount, like I said earlier. Um, drunkenness is waywardness for a child of God. It, because it is not in your nature. Now verse 19. Are we there? Now it says, speak it to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Can you see that? Huh? Now it says, giving thanks always for all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It now says what? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now pay attention. As, the, as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. What's the body? Is it the body of the human being or the body of Christ? Huh? Huh? Okay, not body of individuals, but the savior of the body. We say that he's the head of the church. That says the savior of the body. So talk about the body of Christ. The earlier in fact the church as the body of Christ in chapter 1. Okay? Chapter 1 verse 23. Okay? So he says what? He is the savior of the body. He now says what? Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their husbands in everything. Look at your Bible. So let the wives be subject to their husband in everything. Now, that says, husbands love your wives. Now, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, that he should be holy and without blemish. Can you see that? Okay, so who is going to present the church blameless? The church or Jesus? Huh? Huh? Can you see that? Jesus himself. Okay? 
we see that we're not having what spot or wrinkle. It's going to be presented as, um, as what as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any blemish or any such thing. So it is Jesus that's going to present the church. Okay, our blamelessness status, status, like I explained in 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 um, First Corinthians, is what is dependent on the faithfulness of God, not all, not ours. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Okay, so so you see that what we can see clearly that what Paul didn't just start this letter with an assurance; he was consistent and insistent on it. Right or right? Okay, this is where I explain that what the need for always reading the Bible holistically. That means you read it as a word, as a sum of a whole. You read the Bible as a whole and not be not be cherry picking verses, bringing out one verse and giving your own interpretation for it. You have to read every letter as a whole. Read every each letter as a whole letter. Okay, Ephesians four is part of what uh, the book of Ephesians. So to understand it, you have to read the whole the book of Ephesians. Because it's a letter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay? So in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 5, when it mentions this attributes, I say that what those that um, um, that um, um, no fornicator, look to your Bibles, chapter 5 verse 5, no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So Paul is saying that this type of behavior defines unbelievers. Christians should therefore not partake in them. Are we together? Huh? Okay. So that's what Paul is saying in essence. Okay? Same thing that we saw together in, you know, remember when, when we, when we um, examined 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Okay? Well, before he started, after I talked about the, the, the man that was having his father's wife, before he started talking about the fact that brothers were taking brothers to court, you know, we, we saw out that what he separates what he distinguishies uh, um, sinners that are in the world from Christians that are, that are doing the wrong thing or that are, that, 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 that are sinning. Are, are you with me? Is that why now went ahead to say out that what such were some of you? After mentioning those things, I said, you know that these people are idolaters and everything, we know in every kingdom of God. That's that what such were some of you. That's that what, but you were watched. But you were watched. You were sanctified. You were justified. So this is what Paul would always give a distinction between an unbeliever and a believer. But you will never see it if you don't read the Bible holistically. If you do not follow the flow of thought. Like I've always said, what, what every letter has a tiny line of thought. If you miss that line of thought, you will miss the whole message. Okay? So you will never see that distinguish. You will not be able to get what Paul is actually doing. You will not be able to get that Paul is dis- making a distinction between believers and non-believers if you do not read the Bible as a whole. If you just read, pick out one verse on its own. For example, picking out everything as a 5 verse 5 to 6 or, on, or basically chapter 5 verse 5 on its own. You will never understand that Paul is what making a distinction between believers and non-believers here. Okay? So it's important for you to always learn to read the Bible in context. Hallelujah! Alright, so we'll continue from there next week. Um, well, I was unable to um, finish everything I have here, but I think I've found a safe landing here um, already. Amen. Okay, so basically, you see that what Paul is making a distinction between believers and non-believers in Ephesians 5, verse 5. 
Okay, now what these people what they do they um, they do not have inheritance in the kingdom of God. And don't forget, he earlier said that what every saint in Christ have what inheritance in Christ. Right or right? Okay, every saint in Christ have inheritance in Christ. That way, now when he said these people do not have inheritance in God, he went ahead to say that was for um, do not be deceived. For uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the children of disobedience who we were in the past. When we were like them. Are you with me? But what we are no longer like them. Okay? So what do not conduct yourself like them. Why? Because you are no longer like them. Those things are natural to them. It's innate to them. But not to us. What is innate to us is what? Good works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay? So as the, the, the plaintiff been able to convince us through Ephesians about 5 as 5, that a believer can lose his salvation. Huh? And more so, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Huh? We have said that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now we have to give an assurance that makes it even more, try as well, puzzling to, to the plaintiff. How that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now we have to say that by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are we blessed? Glory to God. So, okay, so in um, subsequent uh, weeks, we would, I would, I would um, continue from where I stopped in this point. But I want to pay, I want to um, draw a reference from that same 1 Corinthians 6 that I just summarized um, again. Then we'll, we'll, we'll deal with something in Galatians. And from there, we'll go ahead for the next couple of weeks until we round up with this. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, can we can we just bless God? Can we give God praise for for another meeting, for the revelation of God's words, for the revelation of truth, for clarity, for clarity by the power of the Holy Ghost? Oh, glory to Jesus! Glory, hallelujah!